This is not the Mandy Johnson Show. This is not the Mandy Johnson Show. It's not the Mandy Johnson Show. Hello, I'm your host Mandy Johnson, but this is not the Mandy Johnson Show. This is a podcast to amplify the voices of talented people doing incredible things in the social good sector. So pop your headphones in and let's get inspired. I'm going to say a very warm welcome to the incredible Katie Duckworth. Hello, Katie. How are you today? Hello. That's a nice introduction. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm really good. Thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really well, thank you. I have had a manic drop-off getting my kids to school, as usual, so I'm a bit sweaty and feel like a headless chicken. I'm hoping I can fully focus on you and be present for you so that we can get the best out of this for both me and our listeners today. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm still trying to get my two teenagers up with all of the stuff that they bring, so yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we can both manage to be here right now. Brilliant. So there might be a couple of listeners who don't know who you are. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So my name's Katie Duckworth and my current incarnation is the director of Be The Change Coaching and Training. Obviously, Be The Change from that fantastic Gandhi quote, Be The Change You Want To See In The World. And that's really very much what I what I'm doing I'm working with leaders of nonprofits and their teams helping them to be more productive more effective and most importantly to be happy in their work you know I really do believe that when you're happy at work you're basically doing a way better job than when you're unhappy at work and that of course influences other people around you so yeah that's my business I've been doing that for about eight nine years now that's mm-hmm. a long time isn't it and it's morphed and changed over mm-hmm. time and feeling right now in a good space with it and that it's it's making a difference which is a really really nice feeling to have gosh i've got so many questions already i guess one of them <laughs> is um why the non-profit sector did you work in the charity sector beforehand or what's your background yeah there? yeah i mean i am just i always use this phrase i say i've got the charity sector running through me like a stick of rock you know <laughs> really really is true I mean I was brought up in the kind of background which was kind of going to lend me to that anyway you know my mum was a teacher my dad was a Methodist minister so there was you know people doing good around me and I have done other work I believe (laughs) (laughs) I think I have I had certainly had a couple of weeks in Jigsaw once and I've done a little bit of teaching but that was not that was not really the work I was born to do and there's no Mm -hmm. question especially not with primary school children in school I was in so yeah basically I started off I got very passionate about overseas development after I went to India between Mm -hmm. school and university then I worked in Zimbabwe for a year and came back from that thinking yeah this is the field I want to be in so I started off in a teeny tiny little charity called the Relief Society of Tigray which um, I don't think even exists anymore. It's, it's yeah. now, Tigre is now in Ethiopia. Oh my gosh, I hope I've got that right. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and then I went and had a wonderful nine years or so at Christian Aid, which was absolutely formative for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, met some fantastic people. It was an amazing, radical, fantastic organisation and still is. Yeah. Then went into the National Trust, mm-hmm. um, where I was the Youth and Families Officer. I had a sense there that I wasn't quite in the right place Mm -hmm. at that time. You need to be quite out there to get families and young people attracted. Do you mean you weren't in the right place yourself mentally or you weren't in the right place in terms of the organisation? Both of them. Both of them, yeah. (laughs) Both of them. Yeah, Yeah, it was still, in those days, it was still quite 
old fashioned mm-hmm. and there was a little bit of a clash of cultures. So it was, okay. it was one of my first early learning, working learning experiences actually mm-hmm. was to match myself and my values with where I'm working. And yeah, I've just learned that one. It's <laughs> yeah. really profound actually. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. So then you described yourself as your current incarnation my understanding is that the company that you set up straight after that wasn't exactly what you do now is that right so before that I was writing for the sector Mm -hmm. working I mean it was a bit of a dream job really working freelance going with Mm -hmm. photographers to places where people needed stories so I go to say I went to Sierra Leone and Ghana for Mm -hmm. cathode to gather Mm -hmm. the stories of uh, child soldiers and women doing small businesses there with photographers and then um that was great work I don't yeah and in the end I had to move on from that because I I had my kids I didn't feel I could go off and do two weeks in Sierra Leone so I was looking for something that I could do an hour here and an hour there which is where the coaching idea came came in yeah Mm -hmm. and first of all I was mucking about coaching trying to coach parents again it just wasn't the right fit you know I actually didn't particularly enjoy being a parent when I was when the kids were really young yeah. now I was trying to coach other parents and mm-hmm. I had this business called put you back into your life which is a lovely idea yeah and I think it's a great name and I've still got it yourlife.co.uk <laughs> but it wasn't the right thing for me then because I was struggling so much myself I didn't feel I actually had that much to offer people in that mm-hmm. position yeah I had a really extraordinary moment, which I still remember being in it. I went to a, a, a weekend workshop run by a marketing guru, big name guru. Yeah, yeah. It was for coaches who, who were trying to work out how to market themselves and set their own businesses up. Yeah. And in the beginning of the training, there was, there was a question to these people. It was a very posh hotel. I remember thinking, oh this is odd, you know, it's a bit posh, not really my world. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the guru said, so why are you all entering coaching? People putting their hands up going, oh, I want to make enough money to buy a yacht. I want to make enough money to take my family on holiday three times a year. I want to go and move to Los Angeles or whatever. And I just sat there thinking, oh my goodness, I am so in the wrong place. This mm. is this is not my place. This is not my world. I can't mm-hmm. be a coach. And I literally got my stuff together and got up to leave. Mm-hmm. And as I was leaving, instead of leaving, <laughs> I found myself saying, I don't want any of those things. <laughs> <laughs> and the guru said to me, so what do you want? Mm-hmm. And I think I probably stood there and quite passionately said, I don't want children to die before they're five. Yeah. I want, I want girls to be educated. Mm-hmm. I want everyone to have a, a home that they can be safe in and proud of. And yeah. I just got so emotional. And then I said, but I can't run a coaching business around that. <laughs> and she kind of went, oh, really? She said, I've never heard anyone in this training room be so passionate about what they want out of their coaching, I think you've got your business right there. Mm. Oh my word. It was so exciting. And I literally went home, stayed up all night, (laughs) wrote my business plan and I created my Be The Change. 
Wow. And it's changed, as I say, it's changed and it's morphed. But I, you know, that moment feels so significant for me. And when I get, when I doubt what I'm doing now, and I doubt that I'm making a difference, mm-hmm. and I doubt that this is the right thing, which of course happens. Yeah. I kind of go back to that moment and think, no, no, no. And it's, you know, just talking to you now, it still gives me a shiver. Yeah. So you know, I feel like I'm still on the right track. Yeah. So do you, are you quite selective about which organizations you work with then? Yeah. I mean, it's all nonprofit. Yeah. There's got to be a fit. Yeah. I do turn people down. I do turn things down. Not so much for the organization as because of the content that people want me to do. Mm hmm. Okay. I mean, I had this big learning experience a few years ago. It was one of those times in my, in my work and my career where it really became just really clear to me, aha, this is, this is exactly how I'm supposed to be interpreting that moment. That moment of realizing this is the work I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And since then, yeah, I'm much clearer about who I can work with and why I'm working with them mm-hmm. and where I can meet their needs. Yeah. For people who've never experienced coaching, can you explain what do you actually do? What does the word coaching mean? (laughs) Okay, so what I say to people about coaching is the basic premise behind it is you probably have most of the answers yourself. And what I'm doing when I'm coaching you is I'm just helping you to throw a little light on some of those things inside you that you maybe haven't given space to yeah, that you haven't allowed to be true. Mm -hmm. Coaching definitely isn't advice. If someone really, really wants some advice, I tend not to give it to them. (laughs) You know, it's about encouraging someone to believe and trust in themselves with their own knowledge. You know, the idea is that we are all whole, we are all ready. We are all capable. And I'm just giving you a little bit of a, of a, sh- of a shove <laughs> towards realizing that. And you know, the people I just love working with are people who are doing really well, mm-hmm. love and just want to do even better. So they're bringing their, they're bringing their light and shining and helping other people do better. So there's this, just this beautiful dynamic rather than kind of pulling people up from, from feeling not, not great at all. I mean, I have done that kind of coaching. I don't get so, such a, a pop out of that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's tough that's that's really hard and there are good people who are really really good at that and that's not that's not really me yeah so one of the things that you said earlier was that you believe that work should be a happy place and that work can be a happy place um is that because you pick people to work with who are already quite happy and you're just making them happier or you know I, i'm <laughs> surrounded really by a question. who hate work yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I've recently rebranded myself um, and my strap line is love work, be the change. And I was telling, I was telling um, someone about this and they said, oh God, Katie, you can't have love work. You know, who really loves their work? Mm-hmm. And I thought, yes, I can. <laughs> and there's lots of people who really love their work and we might not love it like every single day. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that we are capable of loving our work and enjoying our work. And that when we do, we're doing a better job. So do I only work with happy people? No. I, I mean, yesterday I was doing a, a whole day with people who've got into a right pickle in their, in their team. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of communication difficulties. They are plain miserable. We started about with some checking in with our feelings. Mm-hmm. And everyone 
everyone wrote their feelings on the board and there was some really difficult feelings there. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm just going in and kind of being a happy bunny. (laughs) (laughs) I really want to work with people wherever they're coming from. I think it's more a willingness to recognize that we can be happy at work and we can have fun and we can enjoy ourselves, even though, goodness me, some of the people I work with, the issues are so challenging. Yeah. It's like we don't have to be really unhappy and miserable, even though the issues we're working with is tough. Yeah. You know? You can stay positive. It's so important. I mean, it's about resilience. You need it even more, really, don't you? You know, that building up resilience, you need need some light relief from the work that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. So, So are you always happy in work? Have you always loved work? Any blips on the journey? Have I always been happy at work? No, no, I haven't. I've definitely haven't. So I alluded to being, I felt in an organisation that didn't have quite the right match for me. That made Mm -hmm. me unhappy. Mm -hmm. Um, I get, you know, I get stressed about having too much to do. If I feel I've done a bad job, I'm not happy. Um, Yeah, and uh, I had a big blip a few years ago, Mm -hmm. which was probably one of the most difficult work experiences that I've had mm-hmm. and yet the beautiful thing about the blip Mandy as as you know and we all know mm-hmm. is that you can then turn that around and send it off send yourself off in a different direction yeah so actually I think I'm probably oh right now I am happier with my work than I've ever been in my life I absolutely love it so would you be willing to share what that blip was <laughs> like how did you have that moment <laughs> what was your blip moment? <laughs> blip moment okay so blip moment so yeah what happened? I'm training, some management training for an organization that in the past I've known quite well, but I hadn't been in touch with lately. So I went in feeling really confident about it, thinking, yeah, I know these people, they really love me. You know, they were my kind of raving fan type organization. Yeah. Things began to go a bit wrong even before I started the training. The brief began to shift and change and things kept kind of getting added in. Yeah. I began to feel there was a bit of a lack of clarity of purpose. It was like a bit of a potpourri of stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was also this other thing sneaking in, which was a quite a lot of theory, which really isn't really my thing. Okay. I'm not a great one for standing up and kind of talking, <laughs> talking about the theory of things. You know, I'm into the, how, what that actually means. Mm-hmm. And then and a few other things happened that um, p- extra people got added. So, I was beginning to feel quite uneasy, um, but I didn't say anything because I really wanted to reconnect with that organisation. Yeah. So I didn't say anything. And it did all manage to end up being a little bit of a mush mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um, with not massively great, clear takeaways at the, at the end of it. And, and one of the things that happened as I was delivering it, it was happening over time, is I began to feel this from some other room. Okay. That knocked my confidence as I was delivering the training. Yeah. There was this kind of opposite of a virtuous circle thing going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, feeling it was, I wasn't quite doing what I should have been delivering in the first place. And then the people, I could see a couple of people didn't like it very much. So I was losing my confidence. And I, th- I just about got through the training. Yeah. Thinking, yeah, that's not the best thing I've ever done. Mm-hmm. And yeah, interesting. I got some really nice feedback on the way. I got a few bits of direction from the chief exec about how I might shift things, got some nice feedback. 
so I was just about feeling all right about it, thinking I haven't done the best job, but it's okay. And yeah. then I got these two really long, really detailed pieces of very, very negative feedback. Pages, mm. pages oh, and pages wow. of critical feedback. Mm. And oh my God, I mean, I was absolutely crushed. Yeah. You know, all that positive feedback. I mean, there wasn't loads of it, but there was a bit. Just got, it was like it didn't happen. You know, mm. you know how that, how that works. The, the positive stuff just disappears. And yeah, you can't oh, hear it anymore. You can't, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand that's got something to do with needing to be alert to wild animals. <laughs> yeah. you know, you're stone age people. You can't go around being happy about the flowers and the sunshine when you've got to be alert to it. So, you, you know, the negative feedback is loud. Yeah. So that got very, very loud. And, you know, I guess what I did is I made that the truth. That was the truth. I am crap at this. I can't do this. I'm an imposter. Um, so you lost it, all faith in everything you've ever done because of one piece of feedback. Yeah. Oh, well, I love me, I understand this. Yeah. In everything I've ever done from those pieces of feedback. Yeah. And there was no telling me at that time, at that particular time, there was no telling me, don't take this personally. Mm -hmm. you, you do a lot of fantastic work and so on. So it, it, yeah, it really sunk me. And you know what I did? I just took all my training off my website. Wow. So oh my goodness. <laughs> like me. So I'm never training anyone again. I'm not running any more workshops. Mm -hmm. And there were workshops on there that I really love. And I just took it all down because I just thought, no, I'm not, I can't do that. So yeah. But you've turned a corner. I did. I turned it around. I turned it around. I mean, it took quite a while. I learned some really practical things. Mm -hmm. Like get a brief, a really great brief and stick to it. You know, don't yeah. people add bits and bobs. I mean, I knew that anyway. I've worked for long enough, but I allowed that to get a bit lost. So that was a really practical thing I learned. I think I also learned don't offer what you can't deliver. You know, yeah. I, I'm not good on theory. And there was quite a lot of theory to be delivered, like standing up like a teacher delivering the theory. And I, I should have said, I don't want to do that. That's not my yeah. style. I've tried being a teacher. I'm not that. <laughs> yeah. And I could have given people a reading list and said, go and see that blog here yeah. and go to that. But I didn't do that. I thought, oh, gosh, right. I better do that. And of course mm -hmm. I didn't do a great job because I don't, yeah, it's not my, it's not my thing. So that was a really practical thing. And the, you know what, the, the other very practical thing is always take feedback in the room. Mm. You know, I, interesting. People can get quite warm to their theme once they've left the room. Yeah. And there seems to be some need to sort of offload a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. it can become not useful I think interesting that's I guess all of that can be completely applied to people who are employees as well you know yeah. I know so many times when I've been asked to do something that I could do and then the project sort of evolves along the way and suddenly I'm drowning but I said yes to the thing it originally was and absolutely I oh, totally and this is you know this is the kind of bigger learning around this whole thing for me I've been here I've had these experiences and I recognize what that means for you so when my clients when I'm coaching them or training them mm -hmm. I think to have had some sort of painful scenario like that mm -hmm. allows me to be able to say oh yeah I know I know what that's like for you too and yeah. I can see that happens for you too yeah absolutely yeah. Mm. Gosh, so you got to the point where you'd taken your workshops and your training off your website 
So I now know that there is training on your website now. Do you ever go close to the training that you offered to that charity previously? Yes, I do. In fact, I've completely reorganized it, created it in line with what I think people really need and what I think I can really offer. And I've delivered that and people have loved it. Oh, wow. So, so you mean the same training that you gave to that charity? You've just stripped out all of the bits that you didn't think should be in there? Yeah, stripped out the bits that shouldn't be in there, added things that I did want to be in there, mm. being much clearer about the purpose of it. Yeah. Sold it in a way that people are clear. This, mm-hmm. this is about having, being, learning to be managers and enjoying work at the same time. So it's hit that sweet spot. Yeah. I've got great feedback. It's been great delivering it. Yeah, I love it. How did you rebuild the belief in yourself that yeah. all the positive feedback was more true than one piece of negative feedback? Well, I think time. Yeah. Time always heals. So how long ago was this? How long has it this taken? This is about three years ago now. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I would say I've been on quite a long process of working it through. Yeah. Um, which actually ended up with me going to meet the chief exec and saying, you know, I think I didn't do the best job there. Mm-hmm. And she, she actually, you know, acknowledged that, but that was a really big thing for me to do. Yeah. I can't imagine how I would have the strength <laughs> to do that. Yeah. It took me quite a long time. The rebuilding of confidence. I think I really, really worked on this business of accepting what I think I had done wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, Yes, there was an element of imposter syndrome there. Yeah. And I think it's really important when you're dealing with imposter syndrome, actually to acknowledge where you did go wrong, Hmm. you know, because otherwise you're never going to really believe that you're not an imposter. That's so interesting. I was talking to someone the other day and I was saying there are some moments when you are actually an imposter. And if you can identify those, then you can also identify the bits when you're not. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so I did do that. And I looked quite harshly at myself, at the, mm-hmm. what that program had involved yeah. and what I felt actually, I really should have said, I can't do that. I'm not going to do this. Mm. So that was one thing I, I, I really went down the road of, I don't know if you know the phrase Q-tips, quit taking it personally. You know, I really, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, but thanks. <laughs> I'm always saying, Q-tips, 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 Q-tips. Yes. That feedback was directed at me. And there's a lot of reasons why it came out so uh, critically mm-hmm. and why it was long and so on. And that probably isn't to, all to do with me. I had to look at that and start to think about what is mine and what is theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's very easy to say, quit taking it seriously or oh, stop I thinking about that. Say, yeah. But yeah, how it, like, I'm not the sort of person who can let things go and switch my brain off. No, and, and no, nor am I. Mm-hmm. nor am I and this has definitely been a process for me okay um, if in doubt I just blast myself with that phrase I just okay. go q-tips 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 and just the fact that you're saying that in your head you can't have any other thoughts yeah you know yeah. but I did you know I have I have done some work around my own belief true about myself and some some kind of yeah positive affirmation stuff positive thinking uh, all that and, and, and just learn to be a bit kinder to myself, not beat myself up so much. And have you managed to get to the stage where because you've acknowledged the things that you're not so great at, you're even more confident in your strengths? Yeah. And I think that's been what's the beautiful thing about this experience. I mean, I've actually ended up 
finding what I think is my absolute sweet spot. Yeah. Which is, you know, I, I went back to my strengths. What am I really good at? Mm-hmm. Who am I? What yeah. do I bring to this sector that I love so much? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I went and re- retrained myself again in the Dispro personality profile system. You know, it's like a Myers-Briggs type thing. Okay. I know I'm an I. I'm an influencer, inspiring influencer. Okay. Right? I'm thinking, right, be an inspiring influencer. You know, don't pretend to be one of these other bits on there. Yeah. Be aware of other people. And it's also really great in the training room to recognize that there's going to be people who are different from you. Yeah. But knowing that that's who I am and that that's where my strengths are has been just lovely. And I've got this real sense now of just being authentic and real Mm -hmm. you know that is the space from which to change the world isn't it really I mean (laughs) absolutely it is yeah I couldn't agree more I think the word authentic is really banded around and people fake authenticity but you can tell the people who are being authentic because like you they're able to talk about things that haven't gone as well as things that have gone really well and I think if the charities owned things that haven't gone as well as as much as they do own things that go really well they'd actually build up trust even more it's so true and i can absolutely see that virtuous circle when when people yeah. are doing that and what's so beautiful about this as well for me is i'm so much more confident now about saying that's a great thing you want to do there you want someone to come and help you run a day on strategy mm-hmm. or um you really want to hone it hone in on everyone getting understanding the policy behind blah that's fantastic go and do that work i'm not your woman mm. And I'm, I'm quite happy not to be everybody's woman. Yeah. You know, when you, when you start out in business, you're, you're kind of trying to be everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, obviously this is a process that's gone on for a while, not just in the last few years since this experience. But this idea of um, saying no to what isn't right. Yeah. And that, make, that means when people do work with me, I'll say, I will do that and I'll do that, but I'm not going to do that. And then they can completely trust me. Yeah, absolutely. Which is, which is easier for you to do, though, because you're your own boss. Like, how do you think people can do that in the workplace if they want to push back? To be honest with you, I think, yeah, obviously, people have to be delivering what's on their job description. Yeah. But when I, I see a real connection with people being unhappy at work mm-hmm. and not working to their what I call signature strengths. Okay, yeah. So for me, I mean, I don't know if you come across Happy Henry. No. Henry I know Henry, 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 but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not familiar with Happy. Much, much nicer character. Happy okay. Henry is a real man, and he runs a business called Happy, which is that, that he has quite a radical model. And actually, I do think charities can do this, actually. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, where you don't, you, everybody works to their skills and talents. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily stick to what they were initially mm. invited to come in with a job description. Yep. I don't quite know how the detail works with it. I'd love to talk to him about it. Yeah. But um, so my encouragement to people who feel that they're not allowed to be, they're not able to be authentic is to look for opportunities in the organization where they can be authentic. Okay. So the job, so the job description is not quite right at the moment, but you know what? Organizing, the working group on something mm-hmm. or um, volunteering to liaise with everyone about 
what they really want for the Christmas party or whatever it is. So you're, you're showing people what you can really do in the areas that you love. Yeah. And you're also makes you feel good. Yeah. So when you're doing those things, you feel good. Okay. I'll go back and do a bit more of this stuff. I'm not so chuffed about, you know? So at the end of the day, I just think you can't squeeze yourself into, you know, it's the round peg square hole thing. Or is it the other way around? <laughs> Who knows, but I'm sure neither fit. <laughs> yeah, that's really, so I've recently been approached by a, a charity that I volunteered for in the past and I adore them. They're called PlaySkill. They, they're a small charity that helps children with complex disabilities and they help them to walk and communicate through play they're beautiful Um, and they were set up by an inspiring woman who worked in the medical profession and just saw how many children weren't receiving the support they needed and therefore weren't ever learning to walk full stop when they could have done with more support um but she's she's collected fundraisers on her way she keeps on trying to hire a full-time fundraiser but what she finds is working mums who care about the charity but can't afford to commit to a full-time job. So I think the team is currently up to four or five people. One of them works six and a half hours, one of them works 10 hours, um, and it's just fitting around their lives. Um, But they approached me the other day and said, you seem like the sort of person who would like a job that would fit around your children's lives. And we think you're a really good fundraiser. And the the head of fundraising said to me, what the founder has managed to establish in her fundraising team is an army of ridiculously talented fundraisers who could all go off and be paid a lot of money. But they have made the decision to spend more time with their family. Therefore, they value flexibility over salary. And as a result, Andrea manages to pay us less than our market value, but over deliver in flexibility. And I was like, this sounds amazing. I'm really interested. What form of fundraising would you like me to do? And so rather than saying this is our gap, she explained the whole team and then just said, which of your strengths do you think fits in any of our gaps? And write a proposal around that. Isn't that amazing? What a fantastic way to work. Yeah. And it just means they're collecting brilliant people along the way and only letting them spend the limited hours they have working on their strengths in yeah. a way that will deliver maximum benefit to the charity. Yeah. I want to do a case study on them actually, because I think they're amazing, but exactly what you're describing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you know, we can't be doing it, you know, in our organizations that people are working, we can't be doing that all the time, no. but the kind of understanding that that is actually going to bring out the best in people and get the best results for your team, for yeah. your organization, for your beneficiaries, whoever. Yeah. Um, I think it's a really exciting model. I'd love, I'd love to see that going on more in the, in the Yeah. Center. And I can definitely understand, see how it can work better in smaller charities than larger charities. Yeah, because yeah, you're always a bit mucking in, aren't you, in a smaller charity? Yeah. However, having said, I mean, when I worked at Cancer Research UK, I think our, I worked in the corporate fundraising team, which was probably 30 people. Um, and we had a very rigid structure of we have account managers, we have people who go out and win new business. And then this is the way you move up the ladder in terms of seniority. And we all had the same job descriptions if we had the same job titles. Uh-huh. And okay. actually, our, they were quite good at bringing in a diverse range of people with diverse skills, but then we're all set to do exactly the same tasks. 
Mm. It was a missed mm. opportunity in hindsight. Right. Okay. What would, how would you like to that to have looked? Well, I mean, like I was really good at um, coming up with creative ideas, putting proposals together and public speaking. Whereas my colleague Ramel was really good at building close individual relationships. So actually if, you know, if they'd wheeled me out when they need a big speech, but kept him close when they needed really close relationships, yeah. we could have been a powerhouse of a team. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. But instead we both had to work on separate clients and, you know, it was, we had individual yeah, well, targets and all that sort I of stuff. I hope change is coming on this one. I, <laughs> I, I really do. Because mm. I think there's probably a lot of, as you say, wasted talent and um, structure, the way things are structured are not quite mm. right for, for that kind of approach. But, you know, there's also a lot of this going on as well because people in our sector, we, you know, we help each other out and you tend to help people out with what you're good at, don't you? You don't help them out with something you're not good at. <laughs> so that's <laughs> kind of happening in an informal way anyway. Mm. If you could give people advice on how they could create a happier workplace, is there anything that you'd tell them to particularly focus on? I think a really great thing to do is to be checking in on each other as people, mm. not as projects. Yeah. <laughs> so that there gets to be a sense of how are you, mm-hmm. not how is that project going? Yeah. So it's about the personal connection because this thing about being honest about how you are as well. You know, yeah. when people talk to each other and say, I feel a bit this or you know I'm that's communicating in an honest way and allows the other person to come back with the same thing as well which creates a connection which creates empathy or other empathy and then connection and then once you've got that connection it's so much less likely to get into rucks and difficulties and challenges mm. and people start to look out for each other a little bit more and so on so for me it's all about that personal connection and seeing what can we what can we do to bring people together as people not as managers of projects love it allow people to be human allow people to be human Mm. and allow people to be human and have a laugh yeah (laughs) absolutely yeah and put your head down on the table if you need a rest that's my big my big thing (laughs) it's it's so you're not supposed to have a rest you know you're not supposed to have a break if you're having your afternoon slump that's somehow not not okay but i think allow people to work in the way that's right for them if you need to put your head down on your desk that's okay so one of my best friends will tell you that I, I used to work with him I won't say how many years ago because then people will know where I was working I once hid under my desk and he put everyone's coats on top of me so that I could have a nap under the desk and he still remembers it as one of the funniest moments yeah. at work because you know the managers kept on walking past and he was making sure that no one could see me through the gaps and he thought you know he couldn't believe that I'd gone for a sleep in the middle of the day but I was so exhausted I needed one I, I, <laughs> you know, I take my hat off you there was a when I used to work in, at Christian Aid there was a woman who used to crawl under the table in the afternoon and have a little nap why struggle through in the afternoon feeling really tired yeah if you know you could just perk yourself up by closing your eyes exactly you? I think I needed probably half an hour and then I was back on it you know that, that was my lunch break so <laughs> some of these got, things it's the simple things I think that make for a happy workplace I really absolutely. do it's not about big strategy the strategies need to come there needs to be a willingness at the top we want a happy workplace yeah but the 
actually what people can do to get there needs to come you know from people just working day to day this would make a difference that would make a difference mm. yeah so if people want to connect with you and and get more of your happiness magic where's the best place for them to find you well interestingly i am just rebranding myself you would normally find me at be the change.org.uk with hyphens in between which is very annoying but i think probably my suggestion now would be to google katie duckworth google katie duckworth coach eventually my website will be called katieduckworth.com okay interestingly so i'm keeping the be the change but not it's not in the name anymore and that's come out of this experience of thinking actually it's me and my unique offering that I want people to know about so that's why I've changed myself to Katie Duckworth so that's where you can find me leaders who brunch is the other thing which is my brunch every when uh, every three months Wednesday morning get leaders together to talk about this kind of stuff we've just done imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. uh, talked about that and just a chance to get get together and there with people who aren't new um i love the fact that it's brunch and not breakfast breakfast drive me mad because i can't make them because i do school drop off but... I have to admit, it's quite early but um, oh no oh, not... <laughs> breakfast. it just doesn't scan mandy leaders who <laughs> brunch <laughs> out to lunch and i'm going to have leaders who brunch out to play soon, nice. which will be an evening one wonderful and it'd be lovely to, for you to come along so yeah google that as well and that will come up as well brilliant now there's one question that I ask absolutely everyone on my podcast and it's a really deep and meaningful question that you may be familiar with Katie Duckworth do you drink tea and if so how do you like it I do drink tea in the morning English breakfast milk no sugar Mm -hmm. in the afternoon oh gray milk no sugar Mm, interesting well, interesting on so many levels. A, you put milk in Earl Grey, and B, you switch. Wow, that's you're the first to have two different types in one. I'm not sure I'm going to allow it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, if I could only choose one, I would go for the English breakfast all day. This is not the Mandy Johnson show. This is not the Mandy Johnson show. It's not the Mandy Johnson show.